Third down and 20. Ladies and gentlemen, it's draft week. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Third and 20 Dynasty Podcast. I'm JT, joined by Frank, Jake, and Lunas. And like I just mentioned, it is draft week. But first, before we get into our big boards, which is going to take up the majority of our episode, we do have some news and notes. And kicking it off, what we finally were waiting for, what we were expecting for a while now, Aaron Rodgers has officially been traded to the New York Jets for what I believe is essentially a first and second compensation. I mean, there's more to it than that, but that seems to be what it's likely going to be. What's your guys' thoughts? Overpay. Um, I didn't think it was as big an overpay as you guys were saying. Listen, to give up a first and a second, and even I think the pick swap is also not being talked about enough because the, the the Packers moved up to 13 from 15. So in this year's draft, I just think that the Jets ended up being backed into a corner and being forced to make this move. The Packers said, nope, we're not doing it. Nope, we're not doing it. Nope, we're not doing it. And they finally caved and gave them a first and a second and uh, and a pick swap up in the first round this year. So at the end of the day, I think the Jets were kind of just like their hand was forced and they had nowhere else to turn other than Zach Wilson, which I don't think they wanted to do. Um, I think the Jets are going to be good next year. Don't get me wrong. I think they have a defense and they have weapons to play with here. But I do think that it's overpaid for this on this price. I thought it was a relatively fair deal for Dynasty. I feel like um, Aaron Rodgers' price has actually increased, which is a little bit weird having price movement when we knew this deal was going to happen. It was almost a lock. But I've seen a lot of Garrett Wilson takes, which I don't disagree with. But I, I, I feel like whether or not Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback, like. I don't give a fuck with Garrett Wilson, right? Like he, the guy is so good that I, I don't care who's throwing him the ball. He's still he, a top five dynasty receiver for me. He was same for me, top five. Do you think he can get to that dynasty wide receiver three spot by the time the regular season starts? Not by I, I wouldn't say by the time the regular season starts, just because for me he would need still to like AJ Brown, CD Lamb, right? So, um. Yeah, I, I think it would be C.D. Lamb, who I'd still have ahead of him, just because C.D. Lamb, still young, and just as a contender, you're just a smidge more comfortable. I'd I'd rather have Garrett Wilson than A.J. Brown, but I don't think that should be a crazy take. Right now, I think this is the highest price that A.J. Brown is going to be for the rest of his career. So if you're a contender, you're obviously fine having an elite contending receiver on your roster but um like garrett wilson does have room to keep growing and like i've just seen people ostracizing others for like there's no way you can have garrett wilson after one year over aj brown aj brown's at least this that and the other it's like well it's not like garrett wilson doesn't have a better draft profile and had a better rookie season and is now at least on a good offense like what do you mean I can't have him in the top five or that's ridiculous? Like, get the fuck out of here. That's that's where he's priced in startups. Let's be fucking real. Like, and if he's not wide receiver five, he's going wide receiver six or seven, one or two picks behind your wide receiver five. I think what, what about the other Jets players? Um, before we get into the Packers side of it, are you more confident on any of these dudes? I mean, I just think overall 
being in a higher scoring offense benefits everyone. You know, they could like Brees Hall. I think there'll be much more scoring opportunities. And I'm sure Rodgers is going to use him a lot in the receiving game. Like we saw how much he liked throwing Aaron Jones. Brees Hall is a guy you can catch the ball while out of the backfield. So assuming he comes back from his ACL injury, like fully healthy and everything, I think him and Gary Wilson are going to have like monster seasons. And uh, I think the next thing I was going to bring up, um, who would we consider the main number two in this offense? Lazard? Does this kind of have any impact on him for you guys, or is it kind of the same value? Because I feel like everyone's saying, and everyone knows that Gary Wilson and Brees Hall now probably going to have crazy seasons. I don't know about Brees Hall, at least initially. Like, I'm not sure he's going to come back and immediately produce off of a major injury like that. He may need to be worked in, but you never know with, with running backs. We've seen guys come back from ACLs in nine months. And then we've seen him kind of like a JK Dobbins have it linger for what it was like a year and a half or something like that. But for, in terms of the receiving, it's going to be weird because, uh, you know, you have the rapport that Lazard has already built up with Rogers and the fact that Rogers definitely vouched for him to get him in there versus I just think that Corey Davis is a better receiver than Lazard is. So I don't really, I, I, I feel like Corey Davis is better at cost, but I, it's not something that I'm confident in. I'm like, Oh, guaranteed going after the jets number two or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, if also Rogers pass says anything, he tends to find a guy he likes and throw the ball at him like ten times, fifteen times a game, just because he can. And I mean, I know it's been Devontae Adams in the past, but like, I, I assume Garrett Wilson is going to get the lion's share of these targets, and I don't think that's a shock to anybody. I think the number two on this offense is going to just be whoever has the better matchup that game, whether it's you know, Corey Davis or Lazard, or even if you throw in a tight end in, into this mix, like, I just think it's going to be a, a variety here. I don't think I could say every every week I'm confident in Lazard being that number two in this offense. All right, Jordan Love. Is the Jordan Love hype warranted? Are, are, are any of us in on Jordan Love, especially uh, considering you could have picked him up for probably like an early mid-second? for a good amount of the offseason. I'm not sure about now. That price has probably gone up a little bit. For sure. Are, or are you, cost, are you just I, massive selling? At cost, I'm massive selling. I just don't I, – I think if you can – especially now, you'll probably be able to get a, you know, a late first just because he's a starting quarterback, guaranteed starting quarterback in the NFL for probably at least the next two seasons with the Packers. Um, you know, they have, I think – on draft night, it's going to tell a lot. I think if they end up with, you know, JSN at pick 13 here and they have JSN and Christian Watson, I think that offense is very interesting. And I just think, you know, people are going to buy on the hype. People are going to say, oh, Rogers sat behind Favre. Now I love sat behind Rogers. Like, it's just one of these things that the story is there. So it's going to, you know, boost his value. And I'm just not confident in Jordan Love. I just think he's a very it was an iffy prospect for me and now sitting and even when he's played not looking great it's just a tough scene for me here i'd rather just take the the first and re-roll it honestly someone that i think really benefits that now that the move is complete that i I don't think is being talked about is aj Dillon. to me the packers even with 
an MVP caliber quarterback in Rodgers. Yeah, he was playing like crap, but the, the entire offense basically was. I really do think that we continue to see the Packers really lean on that run game. And yes, Aaron Jones is magnificent. Aaron Jones is going to be Aaron Jones. But that being said, I, I think we see A.J. Dillon cook a little bit. And the hype was too crazy last year. It was almost price in that A.J. Dillon had a good shot of just taking over the backfield. Clearly, that's not going to be the case. But I, I think it's is another like Antonio Gibson scenario where the guy got so overhyped that then he was trending down. Everyone's like, oh, he sucks. I'm going to give up on him. But when you, when you kind of zoom out, Antonio Gibson and A.J. Dillon, still young backs, still can take over their backfields, right, in due time. It's not. It's still not outside of the range of outcomes, even though it's probably not likely. He's someone that I might be looking into trying to purchase potentially, especially if, if you can get him in that second round type of range. Um, I think it could be a savvy investment. Uh, and I agree with them being, uh, I think they're going to run the ball a lot more. So I see you just going up. Do you guys think Jordan Love is a starting quarterback in two years? No. Really no. No. Do you think Aaron Rodgers is a starting quarterback in two years? Not that he'll get benched, right. but that he retires. I think he retires, yeah. So that's the part that I've been thinking about today with the Rodgers trade, dynasty-wise, with how to gauge his value. Because I legitimately have no idea how much longer he's going to play. My guess is two years. There's been a ton of people saying, one, if he ended up playing three years, I wouldn't be surprised. Like that's I think what it's makes two it years. Hard. That's how you would value him, just like assuming he has two more left in him? Right, because to me, it's like, okay, this year you're obviously going to give it a go. Next year, without that first-round pick, at least from the Jets' perspective, I think you're going to want to run it back as long as it's not catastrophically bad this year. Yeah. But then the year after, if that doesn't pan out, it's it's like now they have draft picks to go and get a quarterback and trade up if they wanted to, especially mm -hmm. if they miss the playoffs and that draft pick is higher. So at that that's the point to me where it's like if the Jets wanted to or Aaron Rodgers retired, it, it makes sense at that point. Thoughts on uh, Conklin? I always have liked him and have him rostered 100% of leagues, three of three teams. I think Conklin at cost is good. He's definitely worth a roster spot. He's He's been perennially undervalued the past couple of seasons. He's had, like, sneaky production. The only problem I have, though, is that what, what's the upside, really? It's like his upside's probably a Tyler Higby. So it, it's not like you're really swinging for the fences there. But having him in the mix of your tight end rotation on a contending roster is, is a good player to have. And it's not like you're going to be able to sell him for what what he's probably worth to your team. Any other takes on the Aaron Rodgers trade? Not too much. I feel like a lot of us saw this coming. All I right, just... so or sorry to cut you off there, Lunas, but... And I'll, I'll actually give it. I'll, I'll throw it back to you with Jamison Williams being suspended. You're the big Jamison Williams guy. It's unfortunate because I think that he, if I have tinfoil hat Frank coming here, 
I don't think he actually knew that that was a rule. I wouldn't have thought that that was a rule. Maybe they're explicitly told, but I think it's kind of bullshit, right? Like, oh, you're betting on a different sport, but you can't do it at the team facility. Like, okay, yeah. whatever, sucks. But it's only six it games. It's not the full year. Does this take a hit to to your valuation of Jameson Williams at all, or do you not care? From a dynasty perspective, no. I think when like redrafter in terms of like it's disappointing this year because you kind of want him to get as much experience as possible, especially after missing a lot of his rookie year. Um, they'll still have training camp, but it's just like it sucks. Like it's it's six games, so it's not the end of the world, but it's just frustrating. But from a long term perspective, no, like. Because, I mean, this shouldn't, like, if you're a believer in his talent, it sucks that you have to wait six more games, but it's not really like this is an injury that's going to, like, hinder him ability-wise or something. It's just him having to sit out six games. I will say, this presents, if you are a JMO guy, a, a buying opportunity for the first time, really, that wasn't, at least in my opinion. I feel like a lot of the hype on him has kind of died a little bit. Yeah. Well, I just like think it's... You take the end of the season last year where he comes back and doesn't really get not even just targets, but snaps. He wasn't really playing a whole lot. Now you have this. There there are managers that have Jameson Williams that are willing to sell at a singular, probably like random first round pick valuation I've seen. I honestly think it selling him is probably a good move at this point sorry to be that guy but like he wasn't getting snaps last year now he goes out and gets suspended for six games i like i just think that's gonna give people six games to step up and prove who's the wide receiver two in this offense we all know it's amon Ra's it's gonna lead the way at the tight end or from the wide receiver one I just I just don't like the direction this is, is trending between the no snaps now being suspended. Like it's just giving too many guys too many opportunities to actually themselves as a wide receiver too. I know they went up and traded up and got paid up for Jameis Williams last year's drafts and that's great. But we've seen people do that before and just not work out. I am kind of on a he's a face planner at this point and i would probably still sell while i can get a first round pick what i would say to that is that if you believed him enough talent wise to draft him where you drafted him i'm not really going to hold the end of last season like in too much talk because of like the limited snaps and he's coming back from an acl injury where we don't know what like the inside in terms of how full you back he was to 100 percent. like we've seen a lot of guys it takes like that extra season after the initial injury to really get back into their form and then like in like the little snaps he played like once he did get the ball in his hands he still saw the explosiveness here and there so my main thing is with selling i think if you were a non-believer in him from the start and you just happen to have him that makes sense but i think if you spent the draft capital investment he hasn't had the chance to be really like fully healthy on the field yet so i think selling at this point would be like selling out and to be fair like if you that's what i'm saying if you just didn't believe in his talent you want to sell before he's fully healthy on the field because you don't think he's going to be that good. That's fine. But I think if you do, then it would be premature. Because if he was coming out now, I think he would be the wide receiver too in the shaft class. As a prospect coming out. Yeah, yeah, he'd he'd be close to that. I, I might, I might still have Addison over him. 
That's fair. I'd have him two behind JSN and then Addison at three. <laughs> What's going on, Isley? Just a friendly reminder, Hooker old as hell. <laughs> I saw I, I saw a tweet me reminding whoever if a team drafts him in the first round, his fifth year rookie option is gonna be when Hooker's thirty years old. <laughs> That's <laughs> not this is just crazy. Right. I don't know. This is this is a really and this is kind of what separates dynasty teams right here is what what you do with a player like a Jameson Williams, because you could definitely see both sides of the argument, right? You have the easy excuses that he just wasn't fully back. It was his rookie season for why he wasn't getting the snaps. And same thing with the suspension, right? Like you can kind of just make excuses for that. And I, I don't know. I, I really don't know what I would be doing because I, I, I see both sides of the argument. I feel like my gut's telling me to buy. As someone who has him, I'm holding. I'm not looking to sell low. If you could get him at a cheap price, I'd be for it. Because again, like we haven't really had the chance to fully see everything. And you know how much this team invested in him. And that wide receiver two spot is wide open. Like you talk about other guys stepping up. Who would be... Who's who's would be the front runner to take his wide receiver two spot on that Lions team? Your best guess is as good as mine. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I, still, I still think it's kind of up for the taking as soon as he's back from it. So, especially yeah. with DJ Clark on. Re really, really interesting scenario there with Jamison Williams. Um, I'd be interested to hear what do you. That boy fast as fuck, but history has not been kind to someone with his production profile and his rookie season. Injury be damned. I man, I just uh, it's it's like the dude had a crazy last season at college, right? Like crazy. Most people that hit that threshold of production in any season tend to be pretty good. And I at least see the argument. He really hasn't had the chance. He hasn't really had the chance. It's not like he he showed up and he stunk. And it's like, well, maybe he'll turn it around. It's like, no, he just hasn't showed up. <laughs> I mean, there's yeah. a reason he's not getting snaps. Let's be honest. That, like you, like Luna's pointed out, that wide receiver two position hasn't been great. I mean, Chark well, was last the last year. They did year. have Chark was decent. And Fine, but they also had, were playing what's his name, Reynolds or something, some or other. Yeah, I mean, I think Josh I think Reynolds. part of it is just um, Josh Reynolds. You thank you. Back. I don't think it's a scenario where it's like, I don't know, someone like a Sky Moore where like they're fully healthy, but they didn't really get the shot, and you could just blame it on them being a rookie and saying like, oh, the coach just kind of wants bets in there for this. Like, I don't. We've seen NFL players like have to kind of take that next half a season to get fully right from an ACL tear. So we have. Like, I'm not saying that, that, but I don't know. I just feel like if you're going to trade up into the 12th pick to get somebody, you knowing he's already injured, and then he comes back and he doesn't play, it's kind of a red flag to me on some sort of work ethic, some sort of personality off the field, and then be suspended for gambling doesn't help my my thoughts on that. So I'm just re-rolling while there's still people that will take him for a first. All right. Um, do you want to get into big boards? Sure. Yeah. So I've been working on the consensus for the big boards. Um, almost done with it. You guys all spelt Quinton Johnson's name wrong, though. So that did we? Yeah, it was Johnson here. I copy and pasted it. So 
Don't blame me. It's someone else's fault. Someone's going to have to fess up for that. He really spells it with a T? What do you mean he really spells it like that? (laughs) Yeah, that's his (laughs) name. (laughs) (laughs) Oops. He just decided to spell with a T. What a dick. (laughs) Yeah, what a a guy. All right. So uh, I'm in the process of updating our... Because that, uh, I think I don't have the hyphen in Jackson Smith and Jigba. There's probably a couple other just random things there screwing with our uh, our data. But um, I'll get to the bottom of it. Um, I guess we can just go by round. Maybe that'll make it cleanest on the screen. Wait, hold on a second. Yeah. I'm just, I'm screwing this up. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm setting up the thing on the on the screen. Give me a second. All right, that should be pretty good. All right, it is draft time, and with draft comes probably my favorite segment of the year, the Rookie Big Board. So, uh, quick joke before we get into it. I um, I was joking around with Lunas that, oh, Lunas, your big board definitely sucks. <laughs> I, I, right, uh, right as we joined. He didn't even look at my board yet. He was just like, Yeah, I did not look at his board. I was just sucks. giving him crap. And it turns out we have the exact same first round. <laughs> Literally even, like, the like, exact same. The first same. couple picks of the second round are like kind of close. It's just like swapping a few guys up at one or two spots. So, all right. I think generally speaking, um, most of the stuff is pretty standard. So I guess we can just hit on the outliers. And first things first, we all knew JT was high on Quentin Johnston. But I didn't know that JT was high on that Quentin Johnston crack because holy crap, what a (laughs) break. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm editing the Quentin Johnston thing, by the way, and getting him back where he belongs as consensus. He's one of seven in ours, Um, which makes me have to move this stuff down. Yeah, I just think Quentin Johnston is, well, it's more so kind of a knock on the quarterbacks. Like, that aren't Bryce Young. I don't know what the deal is with CJ Stroud currently. I don't know if Frank disappeared for you guys, but I don't see him in my mind. Yeah. Hopefully, I'm still talking to you guys. Um, yeah. yeah, so with CJ Stroud potentially falling in this draft, who knows what the deal is. I still think he's going to go number two to the Texans, but, like, maybe he doesn't. Um, and so with everyone kind of, like, hesitant about the rest of these quarterbacks, I'm not going to just take a mediocre quarterback when I could take, like, what I perceive to be an elite wide receiver. So Sure, but I just think as of now, I am making this big, building this big board with the assumption that all of these quarterbacks we're talking about are going within the top 10. Yeah, but even so, like, CJ Stroud doesn't give me that, like, CJ Stroud feels like we're looking at like a Kirk Cousins kind of player. Like like you're gonna get Kirk Cousins points, which as bad as that sounds, Kirk Cousins. It's fine. Yeah, it's it's, pretty good for his career. That's fine, but Quinn Johnson, I just think gives you that potential elite play. Like I was gonna say, like what tier prospects do you view Quinn Johnson in terms of like previous drafts wide receivers coming out? Like is he Um, in that like so he's not Jamar Chase level. Um but I'll put him with like the Drake Londons. Um, oh, like wow. I think he's in that like high level of of playmaker. Um, oh, wow. So, do you think he would have been your wide receiver one last year, or like him in London one A one B? Him, London, Burks probably would have been my top three. 
Hmm. And I, I was admittedly, I mean, I was still, I still like Gary Wilson. Still I don't know, but high. yeah, yeah. Um, I'm still updating this consensus board, trying if to get Levis to the bottom goes, of it. But, if Levis yep. goes in the top four picks, it's worth reevaluating his ranking. We've done this before with Herbert and Allen. We've also done it with Zach Wilson. I, I think yeah. there's merit to that, though, because to be honest with you, I was really close to putting Will Levis at 106, especially with the hype that he's been gaining recently. The problem is, is that... I was I really did. close to honestly swapping him and Anthony Richardson for QB2, QB3, and then uh, overall uh, 4 and 7, whatever I have. Wait, Levis? 5 and like, 7. You mean between 3 and QB3 and 4? Yeah, I was very close to making Levis QB three. Oh, for me, it was the closer one was Richardson Stroud for QB two. That was a tougher decision for me. Levis, I was close to putting up my seventh overall spot, though. I switched to last second. Earlier today, I had him at seven, but I decided to switch to Addison. I mean, like, I I do think there's a good chance he goes in the top six. Um, And you could bring up cases like Herbert and then people who like, don't believe that will bring up a case like Zach Wilson, where kind of everyone was lower on Zach Wilson. He went number two and then still kind of went shitty. Um, So that's what makes it kind of hard to predict. I do see like life in terms of just talent um, and like arm strength, but there were just guys that I feel like safer about taking when I'm considering like the risk. I know like the ceiling, et cetera. You make those same arguments for Anthony Richardson, but I feel a bit more safer about him and feel like he has a higher ceiling. Um, that's why I have him there. And I mean, it's not that it's low. I mean, the guys that I have ahead of him, I'm all just really high on. Yeah. That that's kind of the problem I have as well is that Will Levis to me, if he were to jump anyone like Jameer Gibbs and Addison definitely could be jumped because the problem I have with Gibbs is that as a pure runner, I just don't think he's that amazing. Like when you compare Jameer Gibbs to the 2020 running backs, I think all of them were better just with the rock in their hands, right? I need someone to make a guy miss at the second level. I think basically all of the top five or six running backs in that class were better. Which ones you know? were the 2020 ones? That was um CEH, Jonathan Taylor. Oh, okay, that one. JK yeah. Dobbins, that Cam means... Akers. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you. I'm missing one. DeAndre, DeAndre Swift. Swift. I guess DeAndre yeah. Swift, I I would and then that's the issue, is that like to me, Jameer Gibbs is this DeAndre Swift. He he is fantastic. He has a great receiving profile. He's he has great one cut, um pretty decent vision. It's just I don't think he's this dynamic running back like Christian McCaffrey is. No, I mean not CMC level. CMC was just a fucking okay. No, that's not even Travis Etienne. Crazy. Travis Etienne to me is a dude that's dynamic. He just needed to learn how to play in the NFL, right? He just needed that extra bit of vision, that extra bit of polish to really get a feel and get confident in the scheme. That's what he needed. I feel like I would rather bet on that than someone that is definitely confident in the scheme and everything, but I'm just not sure they have that crazy top end. I um, I, I view him in a tier ahead of DeAndre Swift coming out as a prospect, and I like DeAndre Swift a lot. I'm just really high on Jameer Gibbs. Um, there was a report that came out that it's expected that he goes in the first round. I think it was Peter Schrager or something, but saying that two running backs are going to go in the first round. If he does go in the first round, do you feel safer about him? Man, I, I just don't understand buying him in the first round. I really don't understand that. 
Like, what's the fucking point? It doesn't. And especially if you're gonna fucking trade anything. up. I mean, it could be at the very end, like Philadelphia at like thirty. Um. But yeah, but why not just stay put and and take Charbonnet in this in the mid second? Because Jameer Gibbs. For me, dude, at least, is like. Dude, I, I'll take. I'll go to pick thirty, trade back, and get me myself a fifth round pick. Howie Roseman, you know, box that up and then trade it for an All Pro level player on a one year deal. I'll just keep doing that every year instead of taking my. Like, listen, I'm not as JT on this argument that you can never take a running back in the first round. But like, if I'm spending a damn pick on a running back in the first round, give me Bijan, like. Give me no, Bijan. And I don't think I mean it's kind of hard to predict where Bijan's gonna go. Everyone's kind of saying in like the top 15 or 16, but we'll see. I feel like this draft, like no one really knows what's happening. But um, I don't know. Like I, in terms of whether I think he's worth a first round pick or not, that's a different debate. But I'm saying if he is, I'd feel a little bit better about it. And I'm already really high on him as a prospect. Like for me, choosing between him and JSN. I guess it wasn't that hard. Like, I really like JSN a lot, but, like, there was some consideration there. And I have him, like, I think there's a mini drop-off after 106, like, in this draft class. And I like Jordan Addison, but I view a drop-off, a small one after Gibbs. I feel like I'm talking myself out of Gibbs actively. <laughs> and I, I'm about <laughs> to, like, move him down live. But this is the debate I was having. It's that, what if Jordan Addison, Will Levis... At least for me, Quentin Johnston, Zay Flowers, Jalen Hyatt, Josh Downs, and Dalton Kincaid are all just closer to being legitimately elite at their positions than Jameer Gibbs. Now, I think one thing that Jameer Gibbs is being helped by is the fact that a lot of the running back situations right now are just kind of murky as shit. It, it's just everyone's got a shit show at running back other than like six or seven or eight teams all right i i got the consensus i think mostly figured out the third and fourth rounds might be a little bit of a mess um but just update that there so now i'm going to catch up on chat and everything um i'm seeing Isley saying i'm wilding for putting quinn johnson up there you are i don't know i just think he's getting slept on it's the same I mean, arguments every year for those that that kind of wide receiver it, it happens every year that kind of player falls like an aj brown like a dk metcalf it's just bigger wide receiver limited route tree but oh they just happen to run the like the same routes that every nfl wide receiver runs so, so it doesn't really matter then then you talk about oh he disappears against like i don't know state your random team here but then they discount how you know, he goes off against Kansas, for example, or they discount how, like, you know, elite level prospects also have disappeared for different games, right? So I don't know. It's just the stuff that I'm seeing about Quinn Johnson just isn't moving me off Quinn Johnson. Uh, then going down to now we're talking about Jameer Gibbs. Again, it's just like he's smaller than I'd like him to be. If he gets that first round draft capital, I know that's what you were just debating, Frank. I'd be more in on Jameer Gibbs, and I'd probably bump him up higher. But I, like you're saying, don't really think a team's going to take him in the first. I, I guess the last thing I'll I'll say on Gibbs is, um, man, it, it's just that these running back situations are so crap right now. And what we've seen from the running rookie running backs in the past, it's that 
if you just if a team gives you draft capital they're gonna give you volume because it looks dumb as shit if you spend a really early pick on a running back and you don't feed his ass and you don't need to be that good at running back to produce when you get volume like we've seen plenty of running backs who were pretty just average at best even like under average produce when they're just given the rock and that could happen i think that's one thing that we've seen in dynasty recently is some running backs in their first season going off the ground running and then becoming wildly overvalued because everyone's like well this is guaranteed for the next four or five years you know oh you're antonio gibson he's gonna be the leader of my backfield for the next five years and i'm gonna get high-end rb2 production and that's what he's valued like that and so it's like it, it's almost like the positive and the negative with gibbs where if you take him he's probably pretty safe his first season but then after that he becomes extremely volatile sure. one last thing i will say about gibbs he's going to be one of those running backs where in half ppr and ppr leagues you're going to get receiving value and catches with him in whatever offensive role he's in which kind of helps us for a little bit on a week-to-week basis rather than running backs who like maybe they're like obviously nick chubb is like the best at it in the league but someone like a nick chubb where it's like you could easily have those weeks where it's like 80 yards and you just kind of get eight points and zero catches um where i think like those running backs you know are going to get like three or four more catches a game that kind of they kind of provide like a little bit of a higher floor i think that's another benefit to gibbs but i understand every point that you made i'm interested to see where he goes in the draft I mean, yeah, the fact of the matter is, is that Bijan and Jameer Gibbs are probably the two safest draft picks in the class at their respective ADPs. They have to have an absolutely catastrophic season to lose value. Yeah. Um, All right, we can get we can get lower. And who have we not touched on that we want to touch on here? Um, I guess, well, we kind of talked about Will Levis and the Justin Herbert yeah, we kinda, comparison. How about, um, can Charbonnet be Monty slash Mixon and whether or not, and, and Zach Charbonnet's value and consensus he's 112. I don't have Charbonnet in my first round. Lunas does not either. You guys have met 112. We're definitely lower on consensus on Charbonnet compared to everyone else. Yeah. I, I just think we're higher on other players. Like I like, Zach Charbonnet, the player. Do I wish he came out last year? Yeah, but I still like him as a player, and I think he's going to have a. He's going to get the good draft capital. I'd probably be, you know, a round two, day two pick. Um, and like at the end of the day, if you're getting that top fifty, top sixty draft capital in the NFL as a running back, you're going to get touches, like you said, Frank. It's just stupid to see, you know, have a spend a second or a third round pick on a running back if you're not going to give him the ball. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think we're just higher on other players. Like, I, I love Josh Downs. I'm just gonna, not going to take Charbonnet over Josh Downs. Like, it's just stuff like that. You have Hyatt above him. You have Josh Downs above him. Like, I think you even have Kincaid above him. We'll get there in a minute. But I, I just think we're higher on other players not to knock Charbonnet yeah and i don't know whenever like this is more so jt's talking point and i don't hold it all the time to be true because we saw etn etn was still now set on the nfl level but like like jake said you were kind of hoping that he would declare last year um 
So, but I still, I mean, two of one is good value. It's just like kind of Jake said, like it's mostly just liking the guys ahead of him. I, I think that Charbonnet is really weird for me because in the beginning of the process, I'm going to stick to my guns now because I have him as just a very early second as a prospect level. Like, do you think he goes in the second round of the NFL draft? I think he goes in the end of the second. Yeah, at least the end of the second. I think there's too many teams that could use a running back of Charbonnet's potential because Charbonnet is, is weird for me because he kind of is not great at running in between the tackles. Like, yeah, he's a big ass dude and he can hit you, but all things considered, he really is. I mean, the, the UCLA scheme is great for him because they're always optioning one of the ends or, or one of the linebackers. So they have a natural advantage in the run game and he's just a big ass dude. So he just goes in the hole, sees someone and then lowers his shoulder into him. Doesn't really, but, but then again, like on the outside, when he gets the ball in space, he makes a ton of people miss. I want to see that like elusiveness and a next level feel in the run scheme from him in between the tackles. So it's like, he's just kind of like good. He's not great, but he's good. How replaceable is that? That That's yeah. kind of the issue. I think he's going to produce, but like, once again, how long is he going to command a backfield for? It doesn't matter. So I, I forget who, I saw this who tweeted it. I wish I can give him credit, but basically it was every running back selected in the first two rounds of the NFL draft, their rookie or not their, their dynasty ranking has increased from year one to year two. So if you take a guy like Charbonnet, who you say is going to go in the second round. And I think I agree with you this time next year, he will be ranked higher than he is now. And if that's the case, he's going to be ranked probably as a top 12 running back. At that point, you can, as a, you know, a, you know, second year player, top 12 dynasty running back, you can trade that for a lot. So just that alone is going to make me take him in the first round here. I agree with that thought process. Yeah, I do agree. I do think there is a chance that he goes in the early third, but I expect him to go in the second. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. That makes me want to put him higher. I'll, I'll give you that. Depending on where he goes in the second, I guess he could move up. Um, I do want to point out uh, another player I wanted to talk about, unless anyone else wanted to say anything on Zach. Um, yeah, I, I do want to make one last point. Go ahead. I think we can all agree that that's an inefficiency in the dynasty market, though. The fact that these second-year running backs get wildly overpriced. Kenneth oh, Walker is a good example here, right? It's completely, a, a, you know, a scheme of the dynasty market as a whole. Like, it just shows how much people put stock into these young running backs rather than guys that have been around for a year, you know, year or two longer. Like, we're talking about, like, guys like Saquon and stuff are being outranked by a lot of these, you know, second year backs now. And you're just like, Saquon is a top back in the league. I know he's three years older, but like, he's going to get his contract. He's going to play. And when he plays, he's a beast. So it's just an, it like, I agree. It's just an inefficiency. And it's something that you could take advantage of. Honestly, you just take the running back this time next year, they're going to be worth more and you sell them off and try it again. 
It's because people kind of overrate like the ticking clock. Like running back's a position like someone could be like 24, 25 years old and they'll be like, oh, he's old. I need to like get a younger one. And yeah. like I know running backs don't have the longer shelf life compared to any other positions, but like sometimes it kind of gets taken too far on that side um, to the point Jake was saying. So that's kind of why it happens. Yeah, well, I mean, if you invested in Aaron Jones three years ago, two years ago when he was going to fall off, you're probably pretty happy with your back-to-back running back one seasons. Um, But as a drafter, you can take advantage of that market by scooping them up and selling. Yeah, but, like, I just feel like people are going to figure it out. You know, and then I'm I'm left holding all these running backs (laughs) that I want to sell because, I, I don't know, like, I just... It's a, it's an interesting topic. I really don't know what the right answer is. Maybe the answer from this conversation, I want to just change my big board or running back, running back, running back, running back, running back, but I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I wouldn't do that, but <laughs> Lunas, who do you want to talk about? Uh, yeah. And I wanted to kind of loop Jake into it. So we all have Zay Flowers as a first round guy. Um, and me, Frank and JT all have him as our wide receiver for, Jake, I know, decided my wide receiver, too. That stuck out to me. Uh, I kind of want to, like, hear more on your side of that with what has him ahead of Ad- uh, Addison for you. And Quentin Johnson, who's JT's 103. To me, honestly, Zay Flowers and Jordan Addison are very similar types of players, right? They're both 5'11", 6'5", 10", whatever it is. And they're both guys that just get open i like both of them i think they're both phenomenal route runners great with the ball in their hands and it's just i think zay flowers is a little more you know with the yards after catch than than jordan addison is here and i just like both i just think both of them translate more to the next level they're both great route runners i just think their floor is much higher than quentin johnson quentin johnson i agree with jt has this massive upside but i just don't love the player i mean i just think he body catches the ball a lot i don't think he has a great route tree i just think he is big and fast which is great and all (laughs) and i still have him as a first round pick obviously here i have him at 110 but the other guys to me just play the wide receiver position better i understand they don't have the size they don't they're kind of right there with the speed but Zay Flowers, to me, just sticks out. I know he played on a shitty BC team, but they just really said, okay, Zay, here's the ball. Go score. And, and he did. You know, there's a lot of plays where he high points the ball and, and he goes over guys, even though he's only 5'10", five, 5'11", five, whatever he's listed at. So, like, to me, he shows everything you want to be in a wide receiver one, except he's, what, three inches too short to, to fit that category for JT? And uh, to me, I just think he reminds me a lot of a young Antonio Brown. And it's just not somebody that I'm going to pass on, to be honest with you guys. Without disparaging uh, Quinn Johnson, uh, he was almost my wide receiver three over Addison. I really like Zay Flowers. Um, Quinn Johnson aside, um, it's just, you know, the typical JT Knox of like him being a fourth-year wide receiver, him being smaller than your typical what you want to see. Or, or sorry, not um, – why am I blanking? 
Yeah, fourth year wide receiver. I'm right. Um, yeah. That's kind of just the the all things being equal. I had him and Addison very similar. I kind of was giving Addison a break for what happened this year because he was battling injuries and whatnot, and uh, kind of trying to use more of his hit film and uh, um, stats. Um, but all things being equal between those two, I just gave the slight nod to Addison. But I think those two are very close as to who I have wide receiver three and four. And if like push came to shove and I had to pick one on draft day, I'm not convinced I take Addison. I think I might actually pull the trigger on Jordan Addison. I mean, uh, on Zay Flowers, sorry. Right. I, I agree with you that this this gap has been closing for me. I've been kind of lower on Zay Flowers simply because I, I just feel like he should have had more production. But I will agree with you in that I think his film is is good. And he ha- I think, think he's a high floor player. I really don't think that Zay Flowers is going to come in and, and struggle to translate to the league outside of something completely crazy happening with him. Do so, you guys think he was first round? Or like yeah, early yeah I do think so. If he falls to the second round, how does, does it? No, he won't. Of... So we don't have to worry about it. Oh. <laughs> yeah, Zay Flowers first receiver off the board prop. Thanks. If that happens, that'd be fucking nuts. So one last point I want to make here, we can kind of use this to transition into the into the second round. Is that I actually think that this year you're pretty happy at the one twelve, where. In basically the past, like, since 2020, I feel like you were unhappy at 112. You were like, well, shit, 112 sucks. And this year, 112 is actually pretty nice. I don't know. I, I think what was – Waddle was 2021, so – No, 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 no. Waddle – there was a top 11 in 2021. I mean, we can go through it really quickly, but I distinctly remember there being a, a, a top 11, at least for me. No, I think I think Jake's right. It was Waddle or ETN okay, at 12. hold on, hold on, hold on. No, because there was three receivers, three running backs. I mean, I could just five pull up QBs. I think that's what it was, because there was no tight end that you really wanted that bad. Oh wait, no, there was Kyle Pitts. Did yeah. Waddle go? Did Waddle go before oh, or after Mac Jones? I think he's before Mac Jones. He went. He and after Mac Jones in a lot of drafts. Yeah. That that's what it was. So I can just read you our leagues. So obviously Trevor Lawrence, Kyle Pitts, Justin Fields, Jamar Chase. Yeah, you're right. You actually were happy. Lance, Najee yeah. Harris, Zach Wilson, Javante, Devontae Smith, Mac Jones, Travis Etienne, Jalen Waddle. That was the first round. Yeah, you are happy at 112 then. Yeah, I was completely completely wrong. Last year, last year 112 stunk. I ended up taking Christian Watson and it worked out, but like well, I was I, not happy. I have someone in chat that you might just upset about that one. I yeah, I didn't think 112 last year was bad. I liked it. I mean, I like. Oh, it. I hated 112 and 212 last year. When two, I always last liked year garbage. But it worked out. But yeah. I took Christian Watson begrudgingly. Yeah. Nonetheless, if we go into the very oh, this like range here, uh, I can highlight on the screen. Right around these players. From uh, my board, at least, Will Levis at 8, all the way down to Zach Charbonnet at 202, pick 14. I love all of these players at their ADP. <laughs> I, I just yeah. think that you're get all things considered, you're getting a pretty good deal. So, all the way up until 2, and, and 
if we get added players in here, you never know if like a Darnell Washington sneaks into this with good draft capital, right? What if he goes to the Bengals? All of a sudden, Darnell Washington is going to join this group of players. Same thing with, with Michael Mayer. You might be able to add him and then whatever other running back, if they get drafted in the second round, you might be able mm-hmm. to add them in. So this very late first, very early second, I think is extremely strong this year. I like it as well, especially like some of the receivers you can get uh, around this range. I was going to ask JT, because me, I like him, and me, Jake, and Frank have him kind of around like the 206-ish, kind of like mid-second round, Uh, Marvin Mims. I like the I actually really like Marvin Mims. JT really likes Marvin Mims. 111. Yeah, Marvin Mims. Yes, yes, Frank? Yeah, sell me on Marvin Mims. Why is he good? He's yeah, just better than Josh very... Downs. And that's and all. I've looked at both. I've looked at both. I've went into the analytics. I've watched the film. He's just better than, than Josh Downs. So to me, and wherever really? you guys have Josh Downs, I think that's where Marvin Mims belongs. And that's uh, that's kind of where I slotted him into that 111. I think he gets good draft capital. I think he's an early second-round pick, uh, maybe mid-second-round pick at the worst. Um I think he was very he was very productive um when he did play for Oklahoma. Um so I don't know. I, I'm just in on Marvin Mims. He's a little smaller than I'd like, but other than that, nothing really to, to discount him for. All right, I, I was well, so I like mm-hmm. him a lot. I mean Jeff Capital is gonna be a big aspect for me because I don't see him going early second. I saw him more I don't know. This draft is so hard to predict. Like, I feel like so many of my, so much of my big boards are going to change once I actually see the draft capital a lot of these guys get. Um, and I've been able to follow every single report about, like, oh, this guy's going to end up here, this guy's going to end up here. I'm just kind of judging off what I think off their talent. Um, but okay, that's fair. So you have him ahead of Josh Downs, but also Jalen. We have pretty low. Uh, Jalen Hyatt. Oh, yeah. I thought I was going to be like kind of in line with where consensus was on Hyatt because I do think he might get first round draft capital. Um, but then today, I, I just have him profiled as like a field stretcher, and I don't think that's going to result in a lot of fancy points. So that's why I have Jalen Hyatt down there where he is. I, mean, I was just pulling talk up about Hyatt, Hyatt really quickly. I, I am starting to really like Jalen Hyatt. <laughs> You've been on him for a little while now. I don't know. If I, I think the misconception to. and where I differ from other people with Hyatt is that there's great context to his limited route tree, right? They that Tennessee offense runs that run and shoot bullshit where we're stacking our receivers literally on the sideline, um, and just chucking the pill, right? It's hilarious to watch. It's awesome. Actually, such a cool offense, but. So like when you when he's only asked to run goes and slants, it kind of makes sense. You can't. You, there's literally only like one way you can go. You can't yeah. go to you can't go to where the sideline is because you're already there, right? You, there's there's no outbreaking mm-hmm. routes over there. Um. So yeah, there's context behind that, and I think when he was asked to run different routes, he was pretty fucking good. I think that he he's not going to have a hard time separating with people. And you want to talk about a guy that can make contested catches and can make 
catches and then someone hits him from the back and things like that. I think he's actually really underrated as, as like just a pure receiver. So when you compare him to a guy like, like Henry Ruggs, I don't think he has necessarily that, that second gear. I feel like with, when Ruggs had the ball in his hands, I felt like he reached a second gear that Ruggs speed was different. That Hyatt, I feel like Hyatt speed hits when, when he's going on that deep ball and the ball is not in his hands. But I feel like when Ruggs got the football in his hands, his speed was crazy that that I feel like I don't get from height, even though they're both incredibly fast players. Yeah, no, they're fast, but I still have, even though Hyatt's probably, he's like viewed as the main speed guy, Ruggs was kind of in a different tier. And even someone like Jalen Waddle, I don't even think Hyatt's on like Waddle's level in terms of speed, but he's still like, I still do think he's very fast and will be able to stretch the field well in the NFL. But I, I, I love Hyatt at his ADP. I think Hyatt is a dude that I'm going to be ending up with in a lot of my in, in a lot of my leagues. But the problem is, I think there's a pretty darn good chance that he ends up going in the first round of the NFL draft. And when that happens, I think we see the ADP climb pretty high. Especially because I think he's going to go late first. Um, where it's going to be like a, a team that made the postseason, um, that made the playoffs and has a pretty good roster. And so, like, it's like, how much is he going to, like, skyrocket of a team like the Chargers drafts him? Like, which would make sense. Like, they need speed on the outside. So that's why I'm really yeah, interested. At the end of the day, he's still the wide receiver three there. Yeah, Keenan Allen's getting older. Michael Williams gets injured sometimes. Nonetheless, that that first round tag next to Jalen Hyatt is gonna make him way more attractive. His ADP is going to go up. Oh, I found another player that and we have to. There's another player that I'm gonna have to fix. Uh, you guys all spelled Israel Abanaconda's name wrong, but not the yes. not the hard part of his name. The, the, his first name. You guys all spelled his first name wrong. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, clearly we're not the team to vote for for the spelling bee. Uh, <laughs> no, we're not the uh, the All-State spelling team over here. Bad so all right, so let, me, let me ask this, though, now that we transition into the second round. Huh? Are we too low on Dalton Kincaid? I, I kind of thought that – did we all have him in the second round? Yeah, we all have him in the second round. Yeah. Are we too low? I don't think so. I just like a lot of those receivers I have. To be like, fair, if he ends up going in, you know, the middle of the first round, like he's being projected, we are probably too low on him. Just for that fact alone, like Josh Downs is not in premium league. Josh Downs is not going to be in the first round. Zach Charbonnet is not going to be in the first round. Jalen Jalen Hyatt probably will be. You know, other so like at that point, he should probably be around that 110, one through 112 range. Probably, yeah. I mean, sure, but I feel I feel okay with it. I mean, listen, first off, I Lunas, have my Lunas, if you can get a guy like Kincaid who's projected to be a very good tight end, not Kyle Pitts or anything like that, but. A very solid tight end. If yeah. you, I think I was on the phone with Frank earlier, and he's like, if you can get Pat Fryermuth with 15 additional targets, he's worth the first-round pick in the, in, in the rookie draft here. Because then you're going to get a tight end that's really going to be probably about tight end four or five, 
uh, with the potential of any day jumping up above with, you know, the decline of Kelsey, the decline of Waller, the decline of Kittle with just age, right? So, like, if you can get a tight end that's going to put up consistent, ta- uh, you know, targets and, and, and catches and receptions here, he's probably worth that, especially in tight end premium, which is the, the way we like to play. I think I that- just I just think it's definitely because the tight end position is such an advantage, right? No, rolling yeah. out rolling out Kelsey every week is a massive advantage. It, it just is because he's a, almost a guaranteed twenty points every week, and it's just compared to other people being like, "Well, mine got forty yards and two catches, like great, six points, right?" Even with the PPR, like the the extra tight end premium here, so like that we i don't think it's factored in enough and i do think if he ends up going like to the packers at 13 like i've seen that one like there's just a lot of ways that i think he's gonna his stock's gonna go up post draft i mean sure and like especially if someone like a josh down slides a little bit in the draft or um charbonnet for sure i'd say the first issue probably is i mean i have him 203 so i'm not really that far off it's like a matter of like three. right i mean i have him 202 uh, um, so like to jump him up four I, spots I'd say or this, something yeah which is easy to do with once you see job capital and stuff but i say probably my second issue and jake i know me and jt are on the same side you two have Kincaid number one he's my tight end too i still like darnell washington even though i recognize Kincaid may get the better draft capital as a receiving threat i like darnell washington yeah, he's I just, just want the big. Darnell Washington. He's not just big; he's super athletic. I mean, we could get into Darnell Washington because he's I mean, the top yes. two there too. We he's talk, just yeah, let's big and fa- shocking. JT likes the big, fast guy. Yeah, no, my problem with Darnell Washington and why I don't have him as like a smash first round pick is because he's actually like elite at blocking. And so I'm worried that an NFL team might bring him in and just keep him in to block. And if he's uh, not block out merchant. Pa- yeah. If he's not out catching passes, <laughs> we're screwed. You know, like, like there might be like a two tight end system. And because, and, I mean, he's got a crazy A dot. Obviously, his receptions uh, were low, but he was also playing on a team with Brock Bowers. And that is where you do have the you have a nasty receiving tight end and you have a nasty blocking tight end and you might as well do both. But Darnell Washington. Also, he played on Georgia that runs the ball a thousand that, times. That, that yeah. also, that also. Had a senior citizen at quarterback. <laughs> yeah, Georgia's also like a notorious, we're going to spread the ball around, rotate yeah. players more than other teams will kind of team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure. And. I, I see JT's like point. I don't view that as a total negative, though. I think that. I think it could be a positive in terms of he gets on the field faster. I feel like a fraud for not having Kincaid at one twelve, though. A fraud. I, I think come draft, I probably will, especially if someone like Downs doesn't go as early as I'm expecting, or whatever one of the receivers above him. If they go just like later than I think, right? Like outside of let's say the top forty picks. And Kincaid is going pick twenty, then yeah, I, I would definitely take him. The the only problem I have though is that once we see Kincaid's landing spot and we recognize the fact that like no one has good tight ends, like they that that dominate target share or anything, what if we see that narrative develop and then we do see Kincaid pop up into not not one twelve two oh one, but into one eleven, one ten. And he's fighting around there. No, nah, I'm out at Dalton Kincaid at that price. A 110? 
I think the point Frank's trying to make here is like whoever your tight end one ends up being, if they get the draft capital that a lot of these guys are projected to get right now, like we're projecting three tight ends in the first round, like a lot of people are. Um, how high do you take them in a tight end premium league? Just because, like we've said, that advantage is significant. And if you can find a guy that is that young stud tight end for a 110, a 109 even, like, is that worth it? I think you're looking for the needle in the haystack doing that kind of stuff, though. Um, because, first of all, it's going to take a while for the tight ends to develop, right? Like, we're still waiting for top hits, for example. To, to, to hit that threshold. Um, yeah, I mean, he had very good yards per, uh, yards after the catch. Yeah, he put up a thousand yards one year. Yeah, yeah. Muth, we're still yeah. kind of waiting, right? Yeah, yeah. We're still waiting for these, these young tight ends to break out. So you're giving up that advantage in terms of early on, the, the value advantage in, ter- in terms of early on, where, uh, you know, we're talking about like a Kenneth Walker. Um, more aptly, probably Chris Olave, because that's about where he was going. Like, if a Chris Olave goes off and you get that kind of player, say it's Jalen Hyatt this year, they boom. Like, like Jalen Hyatt's a top 10 wide receiver, I think, at this point on keep trade cut. That's not going to happen with Dalton Kincaid. It is very, very, very rare. I, don't, I can't even think of an instance where tight Mark end, I mean, Andrews, Greg, but he wasn't highly valued. Yeah, and like Greg Dulcich kind of popped off this year. Greg Dulcich hasn't really seen a whole big increase yet. I mean, maybe maybe that's a good sign to buy him now, but like these guys, they're not they're not getting the tight end specifically are not getting that giant boost that you're going to get from those other positions in the first couple of years. So there's that kind of give and take. Um, you know, it's just kind of the question of how long are you willing to hold this guy before you start seeing that that advantage that you're looking for, Jake. And especially when you're talking about Travis Kelsey, who's like the game-breaking tight end that he is like it's a very rare right, that that's but i mean happen. like not to just beat a dead horse here but kelsey is like 34 years old at this point uh-huh. like at some point he's gonna hit the wall and someone's gonna have to take the reins of tight end one eventually right so like who is it <laughs> You want to know what I find hilarious is I just imagine all the Kelsey owners winning their league and then at 112 being like, yes, Dalton Kincaid, my (laughs) next Kelsey. (laughs) (laughs) And just they all in unison click click the draft button on Dalton Kincaid. (laughs) I mean, we do kind of have the next year moving in with like Mark Andrews, Pitts, uh, Goddard, if you want to throw in there. I mean, um, like, Goddard's already, like, 28 years old, is he not? Yeah, uh, maybe. So, like, sure, it's fine for a year, Motherfucker maybe. just broke out, like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, really, like, that's the problem. Like, that's I'm the trying. problem with a lot of these tight ends. And he was a guy with second-round draft capital, yeah. But All right, like, let's start getting on here, though. So, Michael Mayer. What do we think of him about him? And really, because we've kind of hit on Darnell Washington and Dalton Kincaid. He's just not athletic enough for me to think he's going to be a viable long-term tight end. I'm interested to see where he goes right in the draft, just because I agree. I would have liked to see him test better. Oh, excuse me. But at the end of the day, like 
he got better every year in college, right? So, like, he came in as the top-ranked tight end recruit in the country, whatever he was, and then just got better every single year in this Notre, on this Notre Dame team. And it's just like, what else can you really ask the guy to do? I mean, he's he's the prototypical tight end, and he's exactly what you want, except he just didn't test as well on paper as you'd like to see. So, like, to me, I'm curious to see how NFL teams evaluate that. If he goes in, like, you know, the mid-20s, I'm probably going to bump him up a spot or two, similar to Dalton Kincaid here. Do you think there's a strategy in, like, trying to, like, like buy some of these? Because what, to point JT said, where it's going to take a few years for, like, that pick to really, like, end up, like, paying off your investment. Is someone, like, I'll give an example. This is more, like, mid-second round, and these guys are kind of, like, early second, late first. So it's a little, like, a tier down. But someone like a Trey McBride, who rookie tight end. Trey McBride was going. Rookie tight end. Didn't produce this a rookie tight end. That's perfect. Because first off, he did start producing at the end of the season. He's Any someone that we all like. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. Because guess what? I was looking at keep trade cut. Dalton Kincaid is tight end tight end nine. Michael Meyer Mayer is tight end eight. And then you have guys who have already started to perform who are actually more athletic than those two in Greg Dulcich and Trey McBride, who are ranked a decent amount behind them, where you get them plus for the likes of uh, the draft pick that Michael Meyer is Mayer. I, I keep screwing up his last name, or Dalton Kincaid. Like you're getting the what I think are better tight ends. You can get Plus. McBride now for what, like a late second? Um, probably. See, I, I, mean, I think that these tight ends are better than those tight ends, though. I, I think that Kincaid and Mayer and probably Darnell Washington are all better than... Darnell Washington um, might... I mean, there, there's question marks on Darnell Washington's usage, what I think he's going to be doing. But I think yeah, but dude, and Dulcich... Let's be real. If we were making a real life Incredibles, I think Darnell Washington would be heavily considered. <laughs> yeah. But the, problem that the problem that we're relying on is NFL teams make sense, which half the time they don't. So I don't know. Like maybe he is just that kind of blocker. I remember at the start of uh, before the combine happened, they were legitimately talking about just moving him to tackle. Like that's kind of what we're dealing with, with Darnell Washington, even though I really like him. Um, as far as, uh, Meyer and, and Kincaid go. I just I don't agree that they're better. I think from what we've seen so far from Trey McBride and, and Dulcich and what we saw with their athleticism and how they tested comparatively to to those two, the incoming rookies, I'd rather just trade and get the plus and go with the guys that I, I'm feeling pretty confident are good already in Trey McBride and Dulcich. I think that's fair. I mean, that's a risk-free line of thinking, but I don't think that they're better players. I can under I could totally understand if you just want to coop up that value and and cash out for what is usually a pick that is kind of annoying to consistently get value out of in these early seconds. They're usually just they're just tough picks to trade sometimes. But this year it is probably different. Um I don't know. I, I like Michael Mayer. I think in the early second, it, it's good value. I, I, I'll I scoop him up. But let's get into the mid-second. So we we all have Devin A-Chain at 204, except for... Who is that, Lunas? Where do you have A-Chain, Lunas? 205. He is one behind us. Oh, yeah, he is. Oh, my God, I'm an idiot. 
I like A Chain. I like A Chain a lot. Yeah, I'm surprised you have him where I have him. I don't want to put him this low. I don't want to put him this low. He's just kind of getting bumped down. Because I I think I've made up my mind that he's probably going to get what I think is like the early third round treatment where there's just like one too many knocks on him for, for him to go in the second. But that being said, I think realistically it comes out that it's a pretty favorable landing spot for A-Chain. I would love to scoop him up in, in this early second in a lot of my leagues. Yeah, I would love to grab him at 206 in, in our league, but I, I don't think that's going to happen. Because I, he's someone that I've been looking at the late first round, but I just feel like these wide receivers, I I just like a little bit more than A-Chain now, looking at the profiles. Yeah. Oh, man, he's so good, though. He's so good. Wait, yeah, I've loved what I've seen from, from A-Chain. But, I'm uh, moving him above Michael Mayer. I'm surprised Dude, you haven't. I'm surprised you have him below Josh Downs. I actually think I was thinking about the same thing with the move. I don't know. Dude, I just I love Josh Downs. I I just think Josh Downs is a good football player. Look, I have him below Josh Downs too, but I I'm I'm lower on Adrian mm. than I am than you are. Um. Yeah, I didn't realize how high you were on Downs. Um. I don't know. I think he, I think a chain is one of those guys where it really is situational heavy. I like, I hate being the one that does the like draft spot, like where he ends up landing position. It is important but for him. I think in terms of I mean, running I backs, think it's running backs as a, as a, as a whole, they're typically very situational dependent yeah. just because if they don't fit the scheme, right. If they have, you know, the team has a bad offensive line, it's just very scheme. And if also, like if there's any, just has like no running backs there, like you see someone like Tyler, right, being right, Tyler. right. So like situation in terms of you know available available touches even. So like running backs, just like Frank said, if you can get touches, you can get production pretty easily. So it, I just think all these running back rankings are gonna drastically change pending you know, landing spot and draft capital here. I do also think to, to build on your point with running backs and in, in situation, um, rarely, like not rarely, but running backs, they typically have the first and then uh, the good ones hit their second contract. Right. And, and that's really what we see from running backs. Whereas wide receivers, you could see them go on to their third contracts and whatever quarterbacks obviously have a long longevity tight ends it just takes them forever to develop in the first place so running backs like if you're wasting like your first two years plus in a bad spot like you're just the the time the clock is ticking like you have like an alexander madison for example who i was never really high on but people have been expecting him to break out and it might just happen now like four or five years into the league where dalvin cook's about to get traded and everything um I don't know. I just running back is the one where I will make the situation kind of exemption or exception, I guess. I don't know. The only thing I don't like is that I, I don't think that a chain's that good of a receiver. I mean, he puts up enough numbers. He's decent. I think he's decent. Yeah. Ah, uh, dude. I don't know. I think he's kind of trash as a receiver, to be honest. Um, and that's the thing that it's keeping me from having him in the first round right now is that I don't really care about the numbers as much. If, 
I just don't like what I see that much. I like, think okay, yeah, it's fine if you give him a screen pass. Like it's not like he's mm-hmm. he's freaking Dwayne McBride and he literally has blocks for hands. But <laughs> poor Dwayne McBride catching astray. <laughs> but like, you know, he's just he's he just wasn't able to get the timing down of his routes coming out of the backfield, right? Like you look at someone like Le'Veon Bell, that's what made him really amazing was that him and Ben Roethlisberger constantly on the same page. And he's yeah. just racking up those dump offs. Um, yeah, I just feel like eight chain profiles out to be one of those receiving type backs, but that's just not what he is, and it's a little bit weird. Um, I, this is an interesting question in chat. What do you think the science of why football players are becoming smaller? I would like to research that. I think about this all the time, especially at skill positions. My hunch is going to be the fact that. Because Speed. the hitting rules are way more lax, yeah. you no longer have Brian Erlackers and like basically safeties that are Brian Erlackers <laughs> just cracking heads. So also the fact that like especially recently, you're like not allowed to contact the guys downfield. So I think you're able to get away with these smaller receivers a lot more because they won't die. Yeah, oh, and what's... and then also defensive players have to adjust to those offensive rules, so they have to be faster. If they have to be faster, they have to be lighter. It's just like a, you know, a chain reaction here. There, there's no Brian Dawkins anymore. What's his quote? Like, I'm going to take that man's soul or something. Yeah, he's going to take his soul. <laughs> yeah, you don't, gonna take you don't his have, soul. You don't I want to see Brian how bad Dawkins. he wants to play. Like, <laughs> yeah, you you don't have Brian Dawkins <laughs> running around just absolutely destroying because then you get ejected at this point in, in today's NFL. So I do think that that is a point. And then, yeah, what Jake's saying, I think the scheme fits too. Uh, teams are finding, you know, just get the ball out quicker, just short intermediate throws kind of in the strat. So I honestly could line up and play receiver now. It's crazy. <laughs> Let's go to school. Yeah, get him to the combine. Four two forty, and <laughs> you'll have a shot. Um, all right, going into this mid second round, man. I'll tell you what. From two oh six on, I started having a really difficult time. Not necessarily with which positional players I liked, but trying to decide like a Tajay Spears versus a Marvin Mims or a Cedric Tillman. I think that, like, all these receivers around here in this mid to late second round, it's just becoming a little bit more annoying for me to fall in love with these dudes compared to, I feel like, a Claypool is someone that I just really wanted. And in the late seconds, it's just snatch, 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 snatch. I don't really have a receiver like that this year right now where it's someone that... Jonathan Mingo. Mingo's probably the only oh, dude who I'm like, okay, Mingo. in the late second, I'm going to snatch up these Jonathan Mingos. Like Jonathan Mingo. No, I I've Give been me all of them. When I look at like the those kind of players, I'm swinging more for players that I think have like the highest ceilings. So that's why I still have Kayshawn in in that late second. Um, just because I think if he ever did revert back to early Kayshawn. Uh, you're getting an elite wide receiver at the late second. Um, someone that we haven't talked about, uh, but I have him at 201. You guys have him in your third, I think. No, I have him at Which might be fair. 212 is um, yeah. uh, Sean Tucker, um, which yeah. it sounds like his stock is dropping due to health issues. But 
theoretically, if he is cleared from these health issues, like I had him as my running back four or three, I think, going into prior to the combine before his stock really started to fall. You still have no running back four. Yeah, so I have him as running back three then, that means. Um, I'm still banking on the fact that he gets draft capital, which I think is still possible. I, I don't know. It could just be smoke screen season for Sean Tucker. I'm not willing to like fully buy into it yet, but I, I, at that range, like where we're looking at the 206s and beyond, I'm I'm swinging for upside. I'm going for players that I think might, you know, uh, might get their job, might go back to like a specific season where they went off or something, might get full potential out of them. Um, did we talk about Hendon Hooker? No, we can get into it real quick. I just wanted to touch on Sean Tucker. My rating of him and probably Kayshawn is, like, pretty unfair. But at the same time, at this point in a draft, like, if I were doing a startup draft right now, so I was thinking about joining another pre-draft startup. I was really considering it today. (laughs) Um, I just don't want to touch him. You know, it's like... Bean Counter's got his face planners from year one, like rookie to year one. I've got mm-hmm. like my face planners from like, okay, if you're face planting before the fucking draft, that's usually a horrible sign. <laughs> yeah, but we don't know if they're actually face planning. You know, we don't know where they're going to get taken in the NFL draft. I've got a hunch that Sean Tucker is not going very high. <laughs> I might be right, but I. <laughs> The medicals is just such a finicky part of everything, though. Because all things considered, if you take his medical exemption out of it and say he tests at the combine and tests average, right? I think we're talking about Sean Tucker as a top six running back, probably. Like, would that be fair to say if he was just an average yeah, running back? Yeah. yeah. So, um, if he goes, if he goes in like the top six rounds of the NFL draft, I will move him higher. You think he's a seventh round pick at this point? Here's the problem I have is that we take someone, um, what was the dude's name? The Tennessee tackle. He now plays guard. He got picked up by the Chiefs. He went in the sixth round because he had that heart condition. Trey Smith. Trey Smith. That dude was a monster. I watched him at the Senior Bowl. Him and oh, I can't remember the other guy's name. The, the left tackle from Bama, Leatherwood. Him and Leatherwood were just destroying people at the, on the left side of the line at the Senior Bowl. And it was like, okay, well, Trey Smith should go in, like, pretty high. I mean, he's just just absolutely destroying people. He had that heart thing, but he played football already. He was still playing football, but I was obviously a concern. He goes in the sixth round. Makes no sense. He goes in the sixth round. And I feel like he was a safer bet than Sean Tucker. And I'm looking at someone that I thought was going to go higher in the NFL draft and I could make a damn good argument was a better player disposition. Sean Tucker's got a heart problem. Sean Tucker is medically not able to run the 40-yard dash. No, he was cleared. Why did he run it then? I, he, was, I, I he, wasn't, he, wasn't cleared, he wasn't cleared at the time. Now he's cleared. At right. The time of sure. the combine, he this was not clear. Like, now he's clear. No, at first pro day, he didn't run the he didn't run the forty at his pro day because apparently medical exemption or something. Yeah, you're talking about like last week. Yeah, like very recently, the one where he, he did pull up a shit ton of um, 
a shit ton of reps on the bench press. I'll give him credit where credit is due. 29 reps was nuts. <laughs> How are you allowed to do 29 reps on the bench press but can't run a 40 if you have a heart condition? Where's that come into play? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Make that make sense for me. I think it's pretty fair, though. If he if he goes higher than Trey Smith, if teams are like, yeah, I don't care. He's good enough. I'm willing to take the risk. Well, then so am I. Until then, I don't really want to burn a top 30, top 25 pick when I feel like I just have safer swings at this point. That's fair. Yeah. I'm reading chat. Skull's saying he thinks he could run a high 4-4 four, four in the 40-yard dash. <laughs> um, I have a question. Why are you on vacation in Boston in the middle of winter? I would never. I was actively trying to leave Boston in the middle of winter when I was there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, all right. Uh, we talked about Sean Tucker. Let's move on to Andy Booker. Yeah. Where do you all have Matt? I'm the lowest out of the group. I honestly kind of wanted to put him lower, and I still might. I have him at 209. The draft starts. I also have him at 209. I have him, I think I had him 212. Yeah. yeah. And I, I kind of want to bump him down a couple spots. I just think if he gets first or second round draft capital, that's kind of where he. I would be absolutely belongs. shocked if he gets drafted in the first round. End of the first, I could see a team moving up for him in the, at the end of the first to get that uh, fifth-year option for a quarterback. I could definitely see that. But I think he's just probably a second-round uh, draft pick. Yeah, I think realistically he's going to be in that Drew Locke tier. And I think in the range of outcomes, there is an outcome where Hendon Hooker develops into like a Derek Carr-esque, Andy Dalton-y type fantasy player. So... And honestly, like, his running is decent, so maybe even slightly better than that, like a little bit more upside with that little rushing floor he has. But I firmly am just going to place him at, like, this mid-late second. I think it's pretty easy. Like, generally speaking, any quarterbacks that's, like, an early second-type dude, I'm going to plop him in the mid-to-late second of my rookie draft. I, yep. I think that's a good barometer of if they're, if they're going beyond that, the risk is worth taking because the upside is there. I think yep. he's going to be the guy in the NFL draft that drops further than people are expecting. Oh, no. I don't know. He's just been kind of acing the so. process. I get it, but I don't know. I don't think he is good enough for someone who's his age. We uh, saw Brandon Wheaton go in the fucking first <laughs> round. Yeah, how did that go? You... <laughs> How'd that go? Yeah, it was the Browns drafting a quarterback. Like he threw four picks in his first game, and then was just terrible from that point on. Look, I agree, but I still think he's going to get a good draft capital. I think he's going to slide further than people think, and that's why I'm kind of lower on him. I do think the the issue if he does go early second, I'll bump him up, but I I think he's going to slide. I mean, he's he's going to be out for like probably the entirety of his first year right so is i mean is yeah because he tore his acl by the time he first place? or did he i mean yeah. dude it doesn't fucking matter how old he is all right it's a quarterback like it, yeah the, the, the quarterbacks i'm not concerned about age i mean joe burrow was old Justin herbert was old like comparatively i mean this, this guy played well in the sec like tennessee was a force to be reckoned with for a good amount of the season and yeah a large part due to hendon hooker chucking it deep 
Yeah, I just think the the bigger <laughs> issue is probably why why we're not going to see first round Hendon and Hooker is you probably aren't going to be able to use him for year one. Teams are going to want to waste. But you do get it back, I guess, with the fifth-year option, so who knows? I don't know. Uh, I think that's enough of Hendon Hooker, though. We're going to be on here all night. What about these other late these second players? So we mentioned Jonathan Mingo is a guy that is I'm probably... We- yeah, and Israel Abanaconda. I think he's severely underrated. I do think he is that next running back after Devin A. Chain. He is my running back five, and I think he's just a guy that is being slept on. He's very young. People forget mm-hmm. that he's still very young um, for any player coming out. I think really. he's the youngest. I think he's the youngest skill player coming out, actually. And I right. think another thing interesting about him and Tank Bigsby is that they're two dudes that are healthy, and they I'm pretty sure they met with a lot of teams. So a lot, a lot of teams showing interest for good or for bad. I think in Izzy's case, it's got to be good. Yeah. But I like what I saw from him at Pitt last year. I, I just think he's a guy that can come in and really just take over a backfield if he's given the opportunity. I, I, I just don't really see many flaws in his game. And I just think if he gets the draft capital here, I'm going to I'm gonna jump all over him in this mid-second, mid-to-late second value because I just think that's too low for him, honestly. I could... By the end of it, I could see him, you know, ending up at that 204 range, something like that. Yeah, I agree with you. I have him, I mean, you have him 206, I have him 208, but he's also my RB5. I could definitely see myself moving up Izzy if he if he gets good draft capital. And he's one of these dudes that he's athletic as shit, he's got decent production, um, he's young. I could see an NFL team waltzing their way at the end of the second, potentially. I really yeah. don't think that's outside of the range of outcomes. If he goes I will say one player even. that I think I'm going to be trying to scoop up, I, I have him at 212. I'm hoping that he goes later. I'm just not sure that, that he will. Luke Musgrave. Oh, uh, See, I, he's not even my tight end for... Because I think that the, the the top tight ends are nice, but I think there's some nice value later in the draft at tight end. Luke Musgrave is one, and I, I'm hoping to pick him up in third rounds. Yeah. I mean, I like Luke, Mus- Luke Musgrave, uh, but I have Sam Laporta as my tight end for. I just think he showed a, lot, a little more for me at Iowa. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I like both right here at this two, second, third round turn. I think it's a good. I think it's a great spot to pick up some tight ends if you didn't want to spend big, and and get one of the top three guys, just so you could wait or trade back, or just if you don't have that early second, you could still pick up a tight end that I think is going to eventually develop into a solid player in the NFL. I guess I'm the highest on Luke Musgrave. Where you? Where do you have Matt JT? Um, to two ten. To yeah, two ten. Where do yeah. you have Sam Laporta? Do you like Sam Laporta? Eh, he's okay for him. He's he's truly one that's just athletic. I think I mean, there's not really much else for me to like of Sam Laporta other than well, he's crazy athletic. I'm surprised you said that because isn't he one of those super high target share players? Yeah, but on a team that throws it like yeah, like five times a game. Yeah, he might be suffering from a little bit of Xavier <laughs> Hutchinson's disease, but you know he does. Hey, well, have I was it. I was even worse than Iowa State in terms of teams that throw the ball. Yeah. Like for them to throw it to an outside receiver is like a miracle. They celebrate in the stands and everything. Like I, I'm not <laughs> I'm not trusting <laughs> I'm not trusting Sam Florida's production. <laughs> 
I get it though. He's getting he's he's getting helmet scouted though because you have Kittle, you have Hawkinson, you have Fan. So That's hilarious. In there too. <laughs> oh man! All right, we can go into the third round. I think the third round, the most interesting player for me is easily Tank Bigsby. You guys? Oh, I mean, I have yeah, him in the second. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's teetering at the end of the second, but for me, I guess in the third round, I this guy could land anywhere. He really could in the NFL draft. I could see him going in the fifth. I could see him going and sneaking into the end of the second. I have no I idea where he's going to go. I think he's a solid day two pick. And if that's the case, I'm guessing when it's all said and done, he's going to be my running back four. Maybe running back three against Charbonnet. Because I just think there's a lot of excuses that you can make for, for Tank Bigsby because his production was down. But, I mean, this Auburn team, Auburn team was just ridiculously bad. He he had like he was getting hit the most uh, before the line of scrimmage and everything. Like he had to avoid tackles and everything. Um, there's a lot of excuses you can make for Tank Bigsby. So I think he'll get the draft capital. I think he's one of those guys that could eventually see himself in in a workhorse role, but I don't think he gets it right away, which is why I have him more in that late second, mid to late second area. He does kind of profile as someone that's typically a workhorse back, played early, and played well early. The only issue that I really have with Tank Bigsby, and it's a major one, and why I have him lower than y'all, is that wildly inconsistent. Wildly inconsistent. Maybe some of that is because of the fact that he didn't trust his offensive line. right? I don't really know. And maybe that's why, like, so many teams brought him in on, on a visit is because, like, I do truly think that there is context needed around Tank Bigsby that we just don't have, and that's what's keeping me from putting him higher right now. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I think I'm just going to go in circles about what I say. But I think if I'm making an excuse for anyone on this list, I think Tank Bigsby is the one that I'd be – it would be easiest for me to excuse away his red flags. Who else do you guys like in the third round here now that we're transitioning into it? I mean, I have Kayshawn in the third round here. Um, I think that, you know, at this point in the draft, you know, Kayshawn's a guy that has too high a ceiling to really still be sitting on the board. Um, Just because if he, like JT said, if he reverts back to what we've seen from him at LSU, like getting him in the mid third round is just an absolute steal and it really shouldn't happen um but you know just the things that have happened off the field for him and is just not great and and overall his stock is just plummeting so that's why he's there there's reasons for him to be there it's just a matter of you know does a team take a chance on him and if they do i think that him in the third round is just such an upside play that you can't really pass over it um my thoughts on the third round after Parker Washington, I'm not going to really lump Jonathan Mingo in there. Cause I don't, I still feel very weird about Jonathan Mingo. I'm not nearly as high on him as like people are starting to be. Um, I get very concerned about this wide receiver class. Like I don't, I don't think you're getting many hits um, in, in, in the late rounds here. Obviously you typically don't, but this one specifically just feels like it's not great. I don't even know. I think the lowest I was looking back, I think 13, 14 wide receivers go between day one, day two total. 
I wouldn't be surprised if we hit lower than that this year um, as of recently because I just I don't trust a whole lot of these guys later on. Um, I guess I'll let that thought breathe for a second in case any of you guys want to jump on that. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. I'm I'm having a tough time figuring out these receivers. Like, I think that right now a lot of these receiver ranks I have are probably a little bit too high and a little bit too sunshine and roses. Realistically, there's going to be guys that, you know, Rashi Rice, for example, could easily end up going day three, and then all of a sudden you're looking at picking him up in the in the fourth round instead of somewhere in the third, right? We are going to have, sorry, Frank, one second. We are going to have our Tutu Atwells, our um, Taekwon Thorntons, or whoever, the, the one guy that just no one expects to go super high, go super high, Vilas Jones. Who who do you think that is this year? I think it's, um. you want to know who it's going to be? It's going to be Tyler Scott. Oh, okay. I'm as my wide receiver. No, I'm looking at him now. It's going to be Tank Dell. That's who it's going to be. Tank Dell got a little bit of hype, so I could see it. Um, From, what was it, the Senior Bowl? Was he getting, yeah, yeah. that's the only reason I want to say Tank Dell. Is that I feel like Tank Dell is one of those dudes that has been getting a little bit of hype. Uh, Tyler Scott, I kind of... He's one of the few that I'm like, all right, like I could see myself drafting him <clears throat> in the later rounds. Um, Yeah, all right, that that's your pick for who goes super high? Yeah. I just feel like it's a Tyler Scott kind of move. <laughs> um, all right. In other news, moving though off the off the receivers real quick, I think Terry McKee gets third round, maybe fourth round draft capital. So I have him in my third round here at 308. I don't know where you guys have him. Yeah, Tanner McKee's interesting. I, I did like him last year. I just felt like he kind of disappointed this year uh, a little yeah. bit. So... I don't know. I'm not huge into the back end QBs this year. I know that there's going to be a big clan of people around Stetson Bennett. I'm not really oh, huge on yeah. Stetson. No, he's not in my top fifty. I like yeah. I like Dorian Thompson Robinson DTR. Yeah, so do I. Yeah. But the problem is, is that I'm just I like him more personally than oh I think that DTR is going to be a starting NFL quarterback. I think he be, might be an interesting backup. And then you kind of look at some of the other... I can look. I haven't snuck in somewhere. Oh, um, Jake Hayner. I like Jake Hayner. The guy plays hard. He, he's fun to watch. I think he's a, he's a cool dude. But when you're comping him to Taylor Heineke, like, I think it's a good comp, but it's for a bad reason. The Taylor Heineke's don't work. There's a reason why Taylor Heineke is a cool story. It's because 99.9% of the time, that shit doesn't pan out. It's the same thing. It's like half the time, oh, yeah, this running back that got drafted in the sixth, he's going to be the receiving back. Yeah. How many times has that worked? All the receiving backs that come out of nowhere come out of fucking nowhere. It's like... The J.D. McKissicks of the world. Yeah, they're a J.D. McKissick, they're an Eckler, like, or they're actually a good player. You know, they're they're not like this, very rarely, it's like this, oh yeah, this sixth round dude, he's the receiving back. Like, <laughs> no, get out of here. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to scan your guys' boards real quick, because looking at 
you know, Taylor Heineke's, what quarterbacks you guys have. So, Frank, it looks like for you, Dorian Thompson Robinson is the only other really quarterback of note on your board. Uh, Jake, you have Jaron Hall. I think this is Jake's link. BYU, you have yeah. him on the, He makes yeah. it into the... Oh, crap, he's coming out this year? Yeah. <laughs> oh, he's interesting. Yeah. He's interesting. He is. Yeah. He's very interesting. So he snuck into my top 50. He's 49 for me. I, I think I have him as my quarterback... Uh, actually, it might be my quarterback ten because I think I have him after Dorian Thompson Robinson. Um, I'm missing someone. Do I have Tucker Craft on here? Yes. Oh, yeah, you do, do you have him in your list? I no, don't you see don't. Him. Yeah. Okay. Well, I was supposed to tight throw in Tucker Craft above somewhere above Sam Laporta. So. Oh, you're high on Tucker Craft then. I think Tucker Craft right around Tank Dell, right this area here. In the mid third, I would have Tucker Craft. Yeah, I, I think that he's I being super slept on. Washington. Yeah, this is this is the point under Jaden Reed. Another guy that I think is interesting. Just down the, uh, sorry, I made a Frank row here. <laughs> the Frank row. Yeah, I mean he's like basically just as athletic as Luke Musgrave. Uh, Tucker Craft is. I'm not really familiar with you know South Dakota State. Dude, he's he's Tucker Craft has got that dog in him. I gotta say, he's got that dog in him. I think he's being really underrated. Another dude that like I could very well see going very early third. I'm hoping he goes in the third because if he goes in the second, then Tucker Craft is gonna gain a little bit of hype. You're gonna have the people, oh shit, second round draft capital? Yes. Like, no, I want third round draft capital, and then he's gonna be slept on, and I can start scooping him up, scoop, scoop, scoop in the third round. With all my late thirds that I've collected, I don't even know if you're gonna have to scoop him up in the third round. I, mean, I listen. I've got plenty of fourths and fifths as well. Yeah. So if he's, if he's in one of there, I'll I'll definitely scoop are, him up. I don't think yeah, people are dying to go get Tucker Craft currently. Yeah, Skull makes a good point. Ma- uh, what's his name? Mallory and Koontz are also solid. Yeah, Koontz I have been. Yeah, um, and, and yeah, worth Mallory a Mallory's out of Miami, I believe. So both are good dart throws in this fourth, fifth the, round area. There's a Penn State tight end who I think is okay. And then a Clemson tight end, I think, is the other. Yeah, one. that Clemson tight end's interesting. I feel like the Alabama I think it's like Davis Allen or something. Well, Purdue tight end Payne Durham, right? He's he's he just made my top fifty. Was that Alabama tight end? Well, then there's the Alabama tight end who, if you remember, came out, scored insanely high on the S2, like, cognitive test or whatever. Oh, the thing that's going viral on Twitter that apparently C.J. Stroud failed. And this is, like, what is supposed to be what the Wonderlick should have been. But I, I I have no idea. I think it's it was just a, a hilarious who came meme. out and said that, like, I forgot who it was. It may have been Rappaport. That like said some of the reporting on that with the scores for his uh, yeah uh, I someone from uh, someone the the one of the guys from S two was on like NFL Today or whatever that ESPN show is and he was talking or no you know what it was he was on uh, McAfee the McAfee pod and uh, he was talking to him and he's like yeah so one of these quarterbacks like showed up to take the test like after a pro day. Like at like eleven o'clock oh, at night. Excuses. 
and he was just like pissed he even had to take it and like whatever and then they went back to him on another day and he like drastically increased his score i'm like yeah because the second time you're taking the test of course you're gonna do better like i don't know it was just all it's all doesn't show up in the fourth quarter that's all i'm hearing yeah (laughs) yeah i'm not putting any way into the s2 test oh yeah i'm not either i just think it's hilarious dude it's so funny it's like they have like because have they been doing this for a while all i see is like joe burrow was good it's predictive like (laughs) i think it's been done since uh 2017 or 2018 something like that so four or five years i want to see who else scored poorly so drew Brees actually went back and took it once it became a thing and he scored really well shockingly it's drew Brees, right um but basically if you don't score in the 80s you're like as a quarterback you're like fucked i just i can't buy into that yet i mean maybe it's true maybe it's not I just think that there's probably is, better metrics to go off of. 18% is kind of crazy. Um, yeah, that's like Henry Ruggs getting like a two on the Wonderlick test. Yeah, it's... I don't Listen, know. they're not, not there to play school and to get yeah. the right fucking, ooh, let me track all the balls. Like, no, I want the fucking dude to have a rocket attached to his arm and get me fantasy points. Right? Like, <laughs> I don't give a fuck how he does it. Yeah, school, school is saying in chat he thinks he could do well on it. I'm now trying to see my Myers Briggs. Dude, you want to know who I want to draft? Who's the best at Madden? That's who I want to draft. Who's yeah. got the best Madden scheme? Um, that, yeah. Well, I think that's better for coaches. They should make coaches play Madden. Because no, see, Nath- I think Nathaniel it's- Hackett. No, Nathaniel Hackett would have sucked at Madden, and the Broncos <laughs> wouldn't have hired him. <laughs> I Mike McCarthy would be terrible. <laughs> no, I think Mike McCarthy would be low key nice. Dude, no, he has zero idea on uh, clock management. Okay, he has some things to work on in his game, but I think I think he'd have a solid rushing game. Uh, uh, but yeah, I agree. Nathaniel Hackett would be disastrous. But yeah, I just want to see, okay, is he calling the right hot routes and whatnot, or are we just one-play merchants? What's going on here? Um, all right, as we get into the very end of the draft, the we have it basically as the fourth round. We go all the way down until 502. Um, I kind of have mainly here just, there's a couple of decent dart throw receivers here that I like. Michael Wilson and Parker Rosh- Washington um parker washington was someone that i I thought for a while was going to be a little bit higher valued but he's kind of been fading i'm willing to take a shot i'm on the fourth michael wilson as well they'll probably end up as roster cloggers and picks that i don't like but um (laughs) i'm gonna draft michael wilson specifically I, i was just randomly watching a stanford game and he just popped out to me as a player that i thought could play and have been kind of just keeping tabs on him ever since other than that I actually do like the running backs here and kind of in the third as well. The Mo Ibrahims, Chris Rodriguez's, um, even Dwayne, I have bricks for hands, McBride, like <laughs> the just snatching them up here. Um, the one that I sneaky like is Jalen Cropper. He is my wide receiver 20. So, I mean, how much do I really like him? <laughs> oh, wait, uh, Frank, I was going to say, I noticed that you don't have Deuce Vaughn on your board at all. 
Yeah, I'm basically completely out on Deuce Vaughn. I don't. Wow. I I just think that Deuce Vaughn, all the people that have the naysays against Devin A. Chain need to like spin zone that around, bring out your Uno reverse card, and then point all of it to Deuce Vaughn. I mean, it's not like that's where the issues actually kind of come out. Like, I mean, it's not like we're like insanely high. Like, me and JT. Um, this is JT, right? Yeah. yeah. We have a round at RB12. Yeah, you know who loved him was McAfee. McAfee loved him some Deuce Vaughn. Okay, uh, I, I think he's an awesome player. I think he's cool. I'm rooting for him. I am not betting on Deuce Vaughn. Like, maybe he can be, like, kind of decent. But what is that? Like a Tariq Cohen? He's got similar uh, build... <laughs> yeah, similar build to Turk. I'll take him. I'll take him in the middle of the fourth. Yeah, may, I mean, maybe it works out. Like, uh, listen, if you're drafting him in the fourth, I don't care, right? Like, it's the fourth. Yeah, maybe I should have him in the fourth, right? I said I like the running back here. Yeah, go ahead, throw him in there, right? Like, whatever. But I, I anything higher than that, I think, is a bait. Um. Yeah, I don't really have much to add on. I'm not that excited about any player in this fourth round. No. I could yes. tell in like past years, like there are different players that I liked for, for reasons like Seth Williams or I was gonna Martin say Terry. I noticed that when I was like filling out the end of this draft, I was like, I feel like I don't know, maybe I just because I'm more busy with work, I mean I've been able to like go in depth into some of like the fourth round prospects as much as I would in years past, but I still have a pretty good understanding of like everyone in this range. I feel like Years prior, I was kind of more into some of the guys in this range rather than today. I was like, like eh, about like each pick, uh, post like once you got into the fourth round. Like, like it's not like I like like Deuce Vaughn a lot, but I was like, I guess he's probably the best there at four or seven. And then, um, I mean, I have some. I think I think a lot of clarity is going to be added when the draft happens and we see and we get, where like, the day spots. three li- wide receivers yeah. lie, because right now. We have a huge tier of players that go from like could be a fifth round pick or could go undrafted. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we just need to see, okay, which guys get drafted, which ones are the high value UDFAs. And then from there, I think it's easier to like, okay, now I can go and I have like a better list. Cause like no, dude, yes, years right. prior, I would go through and actually watch all 80 potentially draftable receivers. Like, dude, I'm just not doing that. I'll wait for the fucking draft. And then I'll see, okay, yeah. these guys got picked. Now I've gone from having to scout 80 dudes to now I have to scout like 20. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. then, and then go from there. So, all right. Uh, I'm getting pretty tired. Um, this is the end of the, of the big board here as well. Um, if you made it this far, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. Really appreciate it. We're going to have the draft stream going on Thursday, so tune in for that. That's going to be some absolute shenanigans, as per <laughs> yeah, usual. I mean, um, this draft is just going to be more exciting because I feel like we have like less of an idea than any of the other previous drafts that we've done about where guys are going. Like, no one knows who the fuck is it, going 102, 103, 103. Yeah, after 101, which even 101's... Even, now, yeah, even 101, but like, I can't, we kind of figure it's going to be Bryce Young, but after that, it's... Dude, it's going to be so hype when Will Levis gets on the stage and just double fists mayo. Like, it's going to be nuts. Coffee. Yeah, no, I'm excited.
but yeah thank you guys so much skull parker everyone really appreciate it peace out have a good one see you on thursday thanks everyone